Hi, I'm James Brooks, and welcome to From the Factory Floor, a conversational podcast about all things startup and tech, brought to you by the folks at thestartupfactory.tech. So, welcome to From the Factory Floor. This week, I'm not joined by Ian for a change, but luckily I've got two stalwarts from earlier in the podcast. Welcome back, Alexa and Eric. Hello. Hello, good to be back. I've got no idea how you two have managed to dodge this, considering we sit in the same office. I have to battle through it every week. So, because we've got real work to do, mate. <laughs> Touche. Touche. <laughs> so, last week, we managed to have a chat with Gavin about technical due diligence. So, we thought it was almost interesting to then caveat this week with learning from your tech mistakes. So, you know, when we've looked at due diligences and given them some feedback, sometimes as decisions been made with Captain Hindsight being 2020 vision, some decisions that you do differently. So obviously, if we're going to talk about tech decisions and learning from your tech mistakes, I thought it's probably best to get you two on. So I guess, I mean, Alexa, I know you've been on quite a few DD projects and uh, you two, Eric, almost how would you define a tech mistake in the first place to kind of frame the conversation yeah i'm trying to i'm I'm actually kind of struggling with this one to an extent like in some ways it it seems like it should be really obvious to people right mistake is something that's gone wrong but i'm thinking back on some things that i can call mistakes and being like i'm actually kind of glad we did them that makes sense we tried some technology it didn't work out so we switched to another one but if i'd never done that i'd never have known yeah, I think I think that's a very good point about mistakes. I think it's, you know, it is about learning from them, really. And it's, I mean, when I think of it, really, I mean, mistakes are something that kind of impacts the project in some way or the other. But it doesn't have to be overall negative, because the learning exercise from it might, might be much more valuable, really. So it's actually even a good thing. But I mean, from that perspective, I think we probably can talk about mistakes in, I don't know, design and architecture, design in tech choices, or, or mistakes in, in you know, lower level bugs, introductions, or code implementation problems, or even, and I think those that have the most impact, those in, in kind of a project or software project organization and planning and, and you know, uh, that, that have the, the biggest impact. All of these are slightly different. I think, I think we'll probably focus on some of them, not on everything, but yeah, as Eric said, you you learn from so many of those that that you really didn't want to not having not made make those mistakes earlier. No, I think that's probably the best point is that making a mistake isn't always like I say it's not a bad thing. You know, it's a bad thing that it's a mistake. And like I say Captain Hindsight said, oh, we should have done this differently. But the learning from that, and that's kind of a point we can go into. But I think in terms of looking at these bugs happen every day, whether it's just something doesn't work the way it should be or sort of requirements missed. I think the more interesting topic is almost looking at that higher level that you mentioned, Alexa, around the potentially architecture choices or choosing a particular tech stack and then having to potentially reevaluate your decision further down the line. It's not that those decisions were mistakes when you made them. It's just obviously potentially where you end up. You know, if you went with a particular tech stack or a particular architecture and it turns out actually you thought that I'd do for two years and then that suddenly 
the mistake there isn't necessarily a tech mistake, but a business mistake that you've underestimated your scale. And then suddenly uh, decisions that you made suddenly need to be undone and re reaffected. Yeah. I don't know how common that actually but is. That's the definition though. That's not a mistake. If, uh, mm. if it was the right thing to do for the first two years, it's not a mistake, is it? You're just changing tech later on. Well, well, if it, well, it is if suddenly, well, it's like a more of a business mistake that has an impact on tech in that case. Well, it's, 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 it's intentional. You, you build the, the thing quick and easy because that's your priority. And then in the future, when you've got time to do something else or to scale it or open it up or what, whatever it is you're trying to do, then, then that's just the next thing you're doing. Mm. There's, you're never going to build everything perfectly first time round for what it's supposed to be in 10, 20 years time, right? So that's not even a mistake, I don't think. So it's almost good. So, sorry, go on, Alex, if you're about to say Yeah, something. I mean, I, I think to that point, I mean, you know, design, architecture, tech choices, that, that doesn't pan out in the long run. I mean, yeah, as long as it kind of pans out even in the short term, it's probably worthwhile. But if that's something, you know, that you realize just before you go into production that actually won't cut it, I think that that might be treated as a mistake, but what I would just add is for anything like that, the key thing is is you know being open minded and discovering things things early. I think in our industry is I've seen it uh, in the past uh, a bit of a mind stuck in a certain way instead of this is how we do things, and that that's it really we'll, we'll just push for it, and even if you have hundreds of struggles and it doesn't even work, we'll just stick with it really. I mean, trying it out early, testing things early, and, and realizing things don't work, changing your mind as early as you can. I think that's the best you can do. I think it's not probably not about avoiding mistakes, because some mistakes will be there all the time. So you got any sort of anecdotes around, you know, whether it's teams you've, companies you've been involved with or projects you've been involved with, where that's kind of been the case? Deadly silence there. <laughs> I was going to say that was a very, that was very much a pregnant silence. Just going, oh dear. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you one example that I've seen a few times in the past, uh, and that's basically fallacy of sticking to what you know in terms of picking technologies. I've been at the beginning of my career I was Java developer for quite a, quite some time, and I worked in teams that basically whatever problem thrown at them, it was always a Java problem. In theory, Java is gener- generic language; you can probably solve all problems. So it, in it, but uh, there was never any kind of critical thought about is this the right way to do it? Can we do it better? Or we'll be kind of, you know, shooting ourselves in the foot going forward. And we would just stick with it. No one would question it. You just go go with it. And then, you know, realize at the end of the project that either, you know, the budget is hugely overrun, the performance isn't good enough, the, the UX isn't good enough, or whatever that could be done in a slightly different way earlier. But it was, it was never kind of questioned. So I think I've seen that a few times, and that's, I guess, something that, that we try to kind of address o- over the last, you know, both me and Eric, I think, in the latter part of our career, making sure that you use the right tools for the right job and not be stuck with things you know and be having to learn new things and not being, you know, this is this is my expertise, I'll just stick with that. Yeah, as, as with everything, there's the kind of grey area line, which one do you go for? Because one of the best ways of avoiding making mistakes is to kind of codify your way around them when you find them. When you do something, it doesn't quite work. You find what's wrong, kind of fix it. When you do the next project, you want to take that with you, right? You don't want to repeat the wheel and suddenly invent a square wheel again. There's that tension, isn't there, between 
reusing what you know and what you're good at and what where you've already found the mistakes and moving on to something different because times have changed, things have moved on, but you're opening up, you know, another scope for more mistakes down that path. Yeah, I suppose, again, it's I mean, it's a difficult one because obviously, especially from my perspective, not being in the, in the tech actually coding, but watching how things go, it's almost, I think from the experience of having some projects is where both, you know, NTSF and because and previous because you know we aren't perfect at the end of the day is almost where some things have been slightly misunderstood during the inception phase and then again it's whether you define that as a mistake but it's still something that needs to be addressed by either some, actually this thing needs to change or i remember one example where we did some testing uh, with users actually they we've made a decision this is how it should work users then went actually this Actually, it'd be better if it did it this way. It's quite an interesting sort of then trying to think around, well, from a business perspective, how does this impact it? But I assume then tech almost has to adjust to then assist the business decision and business thinking. It's a good point. I think misunderstanding and not understanding what's in front of you is a common source of doing things the maybe wrong or not at least non-optimal way. And that comes from, from, from that kind of thing, you know, discussing and designing things up front, understanding what, what, what are requirements and what are not from that kind of high level. We want to work in an agile way. We don't want to, you know, spend too much time, you know, designing things up front. However, we need to understand what the problem is, what, what the proposition is and what, how we want to solve it. But also that can be probably applied at a lower level as well in terms of, you know, Understanding the code before you changing it in any shape or form, not just blindly going down there and changing lines of code, and being wary, I think, of things like you know code that looks like magic, or code that is kind of a black box that you either are not confident of changing or maybe overconfident of changing it simply because you don't understand exactly what's happening under the hood. I mean, I guess how common is it? You know, obviously. I use the example there of sort of learning from testing, and I think that goes back to almost overcoming your tech mistake, which is looking at something going and testing it early as po- as early as possible with real users. Kind of my real learning from that point, and I know we do uh, design sprints, startup sprints, and encourage beta tests to actually try and learn. And I think that's it's the learning from that it wasn't a mistake until you le- realised that's that's not what people wanted. I don't know how often that happens where, you know, you guys write a piece of code, someone else reviews it and goes, actually, we thought about this. And it's not necessarily a mistake, but it's that learning and improving going forward. You dropped the T word in there, testing, a few times, didn't you? I mean, ultimately, I can't actually think of any big mistakes in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years or whatever of working on projects and doing coding. I mean, sure, there's been mistakes, but nothing that's been insurmountable in a sensible amount of time, nothing that's doubled the length of the project or anything like that. But obviously, the just knowing that, you know, there's going to be a, unknowns or, or whatever they are, the biggest mistake you can make isn't so much the tech mistake, it's just the, the process mistake of not testing or leaving your testing till the end. A lot of project managers, I think, write um, you know, plans out where 
testing is kind of a tick box gate condition thing at the end. So everything will be fine. We'll test it. It'll all be perfect. And then off we go. But yeah, that's just ridiculous, really. Because if anything, like you might not have a big mistake, but you'll probably have lots of small mistakes and then you've got to go and do something about them. So Yeah, and I'll just maybe just repeat that no, what I would like in any project I work, any, any mistakes, anything that you can discover early, that you discover it early. And that's where testing will definitely help. The worst thing is basically leaving everything and then discovering things in production. This is where all the pressure comes into place and mistakes compound because you try to fix one thing by introducing another another problem. So this is where the testing is, is quite important. And maybe just we be, be on that kind of a low-level thing from kind of a bit of an anecdotal, really, things about, you know, making mess in production. What you really, as a software project, need to avoid is, is having, you know, completely thrashing production uh, in the last minute and, and having then five minutes to fix it. And I've been in situations or in teams where this is, has been the case of someone just running a wrong script and thrashing production database or pressing the wrong button and, and killing the whole, whole backend. It's a very important thing just to mention there, actually. You know, when we talk about mistakes and size and stuff, it's more the consequence of the mistake that we're talking about that's the size. The mistake itself is usually the most pathetically small thing that's easily, you know, resolved. Or, you know, it, it's somebody accidentally deleting the database that they shouldn't have, or it's somebody, you know, putting a semicolon here instead of there or, or whatever in, in a way that then turns into a massive pile of consequences. It's also that, that cascading failure. It doesn't necessarily need to be or the uh, flap of the butterfly's wing. It's often something really small and innocuous and it's putting, it's often I've found that putting processes in place or whether it's an element of tooling as well at times in place to then mitigate those mistakes in the future is almost the, the usual fix in that you know whether whether it's access control to being able to do certain things whether it's being able to put a process in place so that testing is done iteratively like the development is rather than as a gatepost at the end for signing off it's one of the reasons that i know um when people started using scrum as a methodology was you demo it which is effectively testing it with the client that then gets Signed off and you iterate on that, right? So at least you cut the failure off as early as possible to then also go back and fix it to make sure that the base is solid. I don't know what tech tooling and processes then get put in place. That's obviously sort of the level below, sort of where I often uh, delve to actually make sure that, you know, dropping a production database by accident then gets resolved. Or yeah, I mean, th- those things you, you learn, I mean, the first thing that happened to me or the team I was in, I mean, the, the next day there were change controls in place that you couldn't do it. I mean, it's just making things a bit harder just to solve the problem, really. And if, if it's really just literally anyone from any machine can kill the, the production database, that's really bad design. It's not the problem with the person who did it. It's, it's bound, it was bound to happen, really. It's just how the, how the system was, was set up. Uh, and I think... In, in our industry, a lot of common mistakes have been kind of solved by change processes. I mean, I still remember a time when, when every deployment uh, lead developer would build the software on their own machine and then push it to the, to the server. And that was the process, really. And obviously, as 
developers change and the machines are different with kind of all, all, all problems at that time. Now we have, you know, CI is pretty standard stuff. So you know how you build stuff. It's consistent. We now use Docker. We use, you know, the, the, the industry has, has moved on. It, 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 it wouldn't have done so if you haven't had problems with, it, with the old process. Yeah, I think, like I say, it's that mixture of having the experience of going, either you've made this mistake, you've been in teams that have made this mistake, and either knowing, you know, when you first set, set out the project, there needs to be, you know, how to set the project up in a way which is secure and safe and tries to mitigate these things as much as possible, or if it's not mitigating it, limiting the damage that something like this could do, and then having the processes around that then either recover quickly or be able to just stop those things happening in the first place it's kind of when the most most of the problems that i've ever seen sort of through various projects have almost been resolved or mitigated or de-risked just in that way i think the thing that i found probably most interesting is defining a mistake because like you say it's something which something isn't a mistake necessarily when it's planned you do it and then something changes which then rectifies your thinking and i think that's almost the way of approaching these things is to go well it's just a case of learning and iterating to make sure that and just not viewing them as mistakes because it's just a learning point it's always an easy it sounds like an easy fix an easy way to look at things but without being a cop-out not that important to define it i don't think you know Hmm. definitely Gets on and works. <laughs> as long as it works. <laughs> so, I mean, I think this is always going to be a slightly uh, shorter podcast than uh, some of the other ones we've done. So I guess sort of sort of pulling everything together. Alexa, what would your sort of piece of advice be if you to give one to a tech team looking back at something they've done and sort of either viewing something as a mistake and sort of how they should approach that or learn from it? Yeah, I think I would I would just uh, say I mean this, the mistakes are sometimes desirable. We all know the saying you learn from your mistakes, and I think we can all relate to that. The most things I did learn and remembered later to apply was was from mistakes I made. So I, I think there is it's futile thing to to try to avoid them. Should embrace them, but hopefully as early in the process as possible, so it doesn't get discovered the very last last moment or, or only introduction or, or sometimes you can need to put the pressure on yourself or do you know night work or whatever is required to, to resolve it. By going through the process of you know making mistakes and trying to fix it, I think that that kind of gives gives another valuable experience. I mean you, you wouldn't want everything working perfectly because then in the future if something does go doesn't go right or goes wrong, uh, you would know how to address it, how to approach it, how to you know have a right kind of a mindset to, to solve the problem under pressure, which I think is a quite a good, important skill because there's, I guess, one thing unavoidable, which I do say sometimes, you know, the hardware is unreliable and the software will have bugs and that will be the case always. And I just, you know, embrace it rather than try to, to fix it from the beginning. Eric, how about you? Mistakes are probably most common when you least want them. By which I'm meaning times, you know, when you're if you're under pressure trying to push something out in a short space of time, you know, you might not think clearly, you might cut a few corners and you'll make more mistakes. If you think you can quickly circumvent some process because you know you want to quickly patch something, that's where you're gonna make a mistake. 
So in terms of avoiding mistakes, not being stressed out, not being subject to or not being influenced or heavily influenced by, you know, imminent pressure is is the best way around it. You know, you're, you're going to have a process. It's going to be there for a reason. You're going to build it. It's going to make things better. So don't, don't circumvent it because, you know, Mr. Moneybags told you to. I think everyone's everyone's probably heard the story of that one developer who's been who ended up working until God knows what o'clock trying to fix a bug, couldn't do it, went home stressed, had a good night's sleep, came back and fixed it within the first ten minutes they were in in the morning. I think from my sort of more project management perspective, it is testing as early as possible so that potentially business decisions which influence tech decisions don't then make the tech decisions look like mistakes in the first place. You know, if you think, you know, you're going to have to do something and you've got plans and your plans aren't right, test the plans early and try and validate them to make sure that the tech decisions that then are made can be built upon relatively soundly. Things do change. The world's not predictable, as I think we've all learned over the last uh, year or so. But I think there's definitely things that you can do to try and, again, test and make things as easy as possible. The only thing, though, is that COVID was entirely predicted, James. Well, it it was, was, uh, (laughs) I think it was, well, prophesied, warned. But again, I mean, I think someone, they used World of Warcraft as a case study to see what had happened, and it's oddly, oddly true what people are doing, how people react to these things. So. I think you can, again, you can plan for things and assume it's going to happen. You don't know, we didn't know that COVID was going to be the thing that it turned into as much as people said something was going to happen soon enough. But you've got to learn from things and things are going to be unpredictable and try and at least have a flexible mindset and a flexible way of working that lets you get through it. So we somehow muddled through to 25 minutes. So thank you very much, Eric. Thank you very much, Alexa. I'm sure I'm not going to let you go this long without getting on another one. At some point I will need a break. So one of you can host for a week and do a really deep tech podcast. I think we're not doing a deep tech podcast next week. I think we're moving back to more the business side. We're talking to Elliot about cash flows, other fun business stuff that you guys really like. <laughs> I enjoy it. It's, 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 it's far more my speed than uh, tech and semicolons in code that make. I'll never forget my one experience trying to code, and it took me half an hour to realise I put a colon instead of a semicolon. And then that, at that point, I realised it wasn't for me, and I'll stick to project management. But regardless of that, thank you very much, chaps, and thank you everyone for listening. Cheers, guys. Thank you. This guy's bio. I think that just about wrap things up here. If you have any thoughts or questions on anything we've said today, get in touch, whether that be through our Twitter at RealTSF or email at hello at startupbattery.tech or feel free to drop in for a coffee and a chat. As ever, thanks for listening. <laughs>